Hello and welcome to the JLA Cast, a podcast in which we revisit Grant Morrison's legendary run on JLA, arguably the greatest superhero comic ever written, one issue at a time. My name's John and I'm a writer of Afterlife Inc. and one-fourth of Big Punch Studios. And I'm PJ and I am a writer of various comics, audio plays and whatever anyone will ask me to write. Corporate shill, that's what they call me. We'll we'll write for kind words and and, and money and bread. Just and give bread. me a sandwich and I'll write something. Just for give you. me some bread. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sensing a bit of a theme here, PJ, because we were talking off air about your recent escapades in the world of D and D and how you were pe- playing as a. Okay, um, <laughs> I have a game with some other people from the uh, the UK indie comics community that were playing online. Um, the uh, the legend that is Vince Hunt is our is our dungeon master, and um, yes, my character is a halfling rogue whose backstory is that he's a baker, and he and his brother are trying to open a bakery in the place we've gone to. This is like um, gigs. If you're if you're an aspiring comic creator, if you've ever heard those those seemingly unfounded rumors about how all the cool gigs in comics are meeting for secret parties and there's like a secret discord and basically everyone is in this little clique and you're not invited and they're all talking behind your back it's a hundred percent true and pj is right at the heart of it i mean you say that but i still have no idea what discord actually is <laughs> no oh my god <laughs> like on the one hand i thought we were like revealing our geek credentials by talking about D&D, and on the other hand, neither of us have any idea how Discord works. Tell you what, if someone wants to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and just put a nice little, tell us what Discord is in that review, that would be yeah. great. In fact, actually, forget the review, just use that field box to basically explain what Discord is to two complete neophytes who are utterly clueless. <laughs> I think it's like... I think it's like a private Twitter, he said. Okay. He said. Not entirely sure. I know it's what the cool kids use when they're on the Fortnites and everything. Right. Right. Okay. No, this is good. This is fine. <coughs> I had, PJ, just as, a, as an interesting point of discussion. Oh, well, maybe interesting. <laughs> who knows? I, um, I had a weird um, kind of feeling earlier, which may have been like um, uh, some kind of um, transient brain incident or it may have been a weird memory where I, my brain suddenly flashed back to a my 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 teenage years where a friend had been to America on a holiday and they brought me back a few uh, a few kind of random uh floppies like a, a few kind of random marvel issues from like okay the um 
the quintessential 90s uh, period. And earlier, I just had this incredibly powerful blast of nostalgia for a random Hawkeye issue, which had, which was in that bundle. Oh, wow. I know, I know, because... Uh, and it, it is by no accounts a great comic, like, but it's seared into my brain as being everything the 90s. Like, every, everything that comics were at that point in, in time. Oh, so this was when Hawkeye had that rubbish costume with the heart, the mask that his hair came out the top of, and just well, at, ooh, generic oh. 90s? Well, oh no, you raise an interesting point there, because I believe this was a Hawkeye limited series uh, where he had gone to the Alaskan wilderness to get away from it all and do some hunting, possibly because he was mourning the death of his wife. I can't remember the precise details, but all I remember is he kind of had his classic costume. Oh, okay. Uh, he didn't have a, he didn't have the hair poking up the top of his head, uh, his, his, his suit, yeah. But he had stubble, like he he clearly been wearing and sleeping in his suit for a while, and he had those massive, kind of like uh, Jean does in JLA, where like his boots ha- don't just have like a, a cuff on the top; the entire thing is folded over, almost hmm. double, going down to his ankles. And weirdly, that's the thing I remember. And yeah, it's just unbidden. Maybe maybe doing this podcast has opened these little doors in my brain, but. Unbidden, this weird Hawkeye story kind of flew into my brain where, like, he's shooting down army helicopters using adamantium arrows. Oh, yeah, that's the 90s. That's the 90s. There we go. There we go. So I want to ask you, PJ, whether you had, this is such a podcast question, whether you had, like, a quintessential kind of 90s comic or issue that just kind of brought that decade back to you? Oh, um, what a leading question. I think there, if there's one comic that I would pick that sort of makes me think of that era, it is, and I know is it's one of the very first comics I actually bought as well around the time, X-Men number 52, uh, which was a couple of months, three or four months before Onslaught started. And um, it's part two of a story that Mark Wade wrote where... Uh, it was at the time when um, the Beast from the Age of Apocalypse had replaced Beast on the X-Men. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, and he, Bishop and Gambit, went to stop a train full of mutants that weren't really mutants. Turned out Mr. Sinister had created them. Um, and this issue concerned Sinister capturing Bishop and Gambit and actually using, plugging into Bishop to find out where he comes from because he's got data on every single mutant and he doesn't know who Bishop is. What? Uh, and trying to get Bishop's memories of the future and then the Age of Apocalypse. And it's just a whole weird thing that I didn't fully understand at the time. Yeah. But, my God, I enjoyed it. And it was like, oh, God, this is brilliant. I love this. I don't know why, but I love this. Did you find, like, um, I know um, comics by their very nature can be, and particularly like long-running superhero series, can be very alienating to new readers because, you know, you think, oh, heck, I've no idea what's going on. You've got years of continuity. And, uh, you know, Marvel and DC have made steps in, in recent years to, you know, it's, it's where you get like a lot of issue ones, you know, you, mm. you get a lot of kind of soft reboots. But for me, when I picked up 
a random comic, uh, which was like issue, I don't know, as you say, 52 or issue 128 in the middle of some series. And they were referencing stuff I'd never heard of before. I kind of loved it in a weird way. I didn't feel like I was missing out. It kind of made the characters feel more real to me in a way because it kind of told me that they had a history long before I arrived. Yeah. And would presumably outlast me. Of course they'll outlast me. They'll outlast the stars now. What is that with with this issue of X-Men? Sinister basically goes, oh, he has memories of another time, another parallel world. And I had no idea what the Age of Apocalypse was. I hadn't even heard of it at that point. But I just went, oh, okay, he he does. Cool. I, because uh, I, around the time I was getting into quote-unquote proper comics, as in American superhero comics, that's what it meant to me as a kid. Um, it was around the time of, uh, well, as we've mentioned, like... Um, the Heroes Return over in Marvel, uh, the whole kind of onslaught saga, uh, which I was uh, I was reading through the Panini uh, UK Collector's yeah. Edition reprints because I was like the only way you could get Marvel comics back in the day, and I, I have such an affinity for that kind of era. Like I remember you, you mentioned like X Men of that period, where like of course correct me if I'm wrong, but dur- as a result of the onslaught incident and the um, whole kind of heroes reborn thing the world thought that most of the popular heroes were dead correct because they'd kind of been shunted into a bottle universe so there was no captain america no avengers no fantastic four uh even the hulk had been split in two but that's a story for another day and I remember in, in, in the world that was left behind, um, you only had the heroes who were less popular, the ones who were kind of feared and hated, like Spider-Man, uh, the Hulk, and the X-Men. And I remember like a great issue of X-Men from around that time where Spider-Man went to the X-Mansion to... I don't even know why he was there. Like he was he was following up on something, like something weird had happened. Was it the Ben Riley Spider-Man? Yes, it was. I know ben- exactly the issue. Oh, it's so great. And... I think it was drawn by one of the Kuberts. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and there's an amazing opening scene where Ben Riley Spider-Man is being shot at by Bishop, who basically has no idea who he is. Yeah. And Spider-Man easily just kicks the crap out of Bishop. And then the other X-Men turn up and they're like, oh, hey, Spider-Man, how are you doing? Sorry about the misunderstanding and all that. And he calls Jean Marvel Girl. Yeah. Even though she hasn't been Marvel Girl for absolutely years. It's just, I don't know, sorry, again, opening the door and these weird little things flying out of my brain where I'm like, I loved that kind of stuff. I loved that bizarre era of the X-Men. It was, I don't know, the world, world felt both kind of bigger and smaller at the same time. I can tell you why Spider-Man went to the X-Mansion, because I recently reread that issue. Oh, PJ, please. Uh, he is going because he is warning them that J. Jonah Jameson is investigating a connection between the X-Men and something called Operation Zero Tolerance and a man called Bastion. Now, So is... the X-Men then go and track Jameson on a plane which gets attacked by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants who are currently at that point led by Havoc, who is Cyclops' brother, and it's a whole thing. Wait, ha- ha- oh my god, sorry. No, I know this is not X-Men, the, the, the podcast, but I'm like... My, my teenage self is like, what the hell? Havoc was leading the, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Or the Brotherhood of Mutants? As yeah, it's it's just after Dark Beast brainwashes Havoc to be a soldier of Onslaught. Oh my god. What a time to be alive. Okay, PJ, Alex of a Pile, 
we uh we need another spin-off podcast where we revisit uh the onslaught saga and talk about the the glory days of 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 marvel comics sounds good to me um but i apologize because i i I took us on a massive digression there um should we get should we get back onto the actual point of our podcast oh you mean uh, in this instance justice league and midsummer's nightmare issue three indeed um PJ, where are we? What's been happening here? Oh, what hasn't been happening, John? So uh, <laughs> the whole world has superpowers. What? Except the Justice League. Ooh. I don't know why I'm doing these noises. I'll stop now. Um, yeah, so basically the whole world's been transformed. No one remembers the old heroes or villains who have all been depowered, while almost the entire rest of the population have powers. Um, turns out Dr. Destiny's doing some stuff while he's strapped in a chair. And he uh, is working for another guy called No Man, who we don't know much about at this point. Ironically. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Destiny uh, basically seeds certain things in the lives of the Justice League, so they remember who they are, uh, get their powers back. And then um, Jean is stuck in some kind of weird illusion thing where he's back on Mars with his family, and then the League turn up. And he's like, no, I'm staying here with my family. And then some other superheroes, superheroes, yeah, not really. Um, some of No Man's superpowered guys. Yeah, who are definitely wearing costumes. That seems to be the big distinction yes, here. Yes, 90s and costumes. <laughs> glorious costumes, BJ. <laughs> they um, blow up the base that this Mars facsimile is in and somehow kill the fake version of Jean's family, and Jean is annoyed. Uh, and, yeah, and then the stage is set for a, a big old superhero showdown, basically, between the We're two We're about teams. to get a big fight between the Justice League and these 90s wannabes. Um, who, and to be fair, we're only, you know, what, seven? I forget, like seven or eight episodes into our series now, and we've seen two teams of 90s wannabe superheroes <laughs> this is not even the best of those two i would say no. well this is the one that technically came first midsummer nightmare was out before the other issues we read um but uh we're dealing with them second because it just made sense it just makes sense um and you know pj unlike the hyper clan i will not i will not um quiz you on the names of these characters because i really don't think it matters if i'm honest there's Vigil, There's and then Vigil. the other ones. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I guess the just like your wonderful recap, um, the issue starts with a similar little recap where we, I could have just read that, couldn't I? Well, no, 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 no. I think I think yours was yours was very in depth. Yours is very in depth, and uh, yeah. So basically, we we have a page kind of bringing us up to speed on pretty much everything PJ just said, and. Yeah, then we kind of just roll straight into um, a classic, a classic superhero double-page spread of two teams beating beating the snot out of each other. I'm trying to th- trying to think of a nicer way of saying that. What I love here as well, though, is you get this classic thing where on the very left-hand side of the page you get a roll call. <laughs> you get a little headshot of each member of the league and then their name. And I can't. There doesn't seem to be any order to this. 
it just it goes Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, The Flash, Batman. It's not alphabetical. It's not. Uh, maybe it's power level. No, that wouldn't work. Aquaman would be much lower. I don't know what this is. Maybe like someone on the creative team was just carrying a torch for Aquaman. Well, this is uh, a Jeff Johnson page. Uh, whole issue penciled by Jeff Johnson and Derek Robertson. This is Jeff Johnson. Maybe this is just his order of favourites. Maybe so. Well, you know, we all have. It's like a. I don't know. It's like fantasy football. I'm. I would imagine not having ever engaged in the act of fantasy football, <laughs> in the transgressive act of fantasy football. Do you know what? When I was a child, I was very disappointed the day I found out fantasy football was not orcs and goblins playing football. I know. God, what a world we live in. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, big old, big old fight. I mean, is there much more to say about the double page spread? Should we um, dive? We, we get the title, Days and Nights. Days is D-A-Z-E and Nights is with a K. Um, oh in that god, lovely nineties right. font work. Oh my god, PJ. Oh no, no. We should spend time on this because <laughs> we talked last issue about the um, the most egregious and nineties titles used there, and this is not much better. They were very proud of being able to drop quasi three dimensional kind of Space Jam logo esque things on top of the artwork. Well, it's clearly the artwork has been penciled and inked and everything in the, in the usual manner, and then someone's on a computer just dropped this title in a blank space in between the Martian Manhunter and whoever that dude is. Uh, you, uh, Unity? Unity, that's it. Now, two things, and, and not to be that guy, because no, no one likes the guy who's like uh, picking out errors in the artwork, but um, I do notice that um, they've forgotten to put Zhong's uh, uh, kind of chest Oh, X God, they have. In. Um, not a small thing. I'm not going to sue over it. I mean, but Jean, he does look Jean's oddly a, naked. Jean's a shapeshifter, so uh, you know any art errors on Jean. Well, he was just messing around. And also, like the way he's kind of floating, most of his body is obscured. So maybe it's an element of psychological warfare where he has made all his clothing vanish, apart from his boots and his cape. To, and so, just for a second, the enemy team are going like, "Oh my god." He's uh he's Donald Duck in it, <laughs> and then and then he's before Donald you... Duck in it. Yeah, then before you know it, he's 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 um he's no longer Pooh Bear, and he's he's back into it. <laughs> okay, um, I'm you don't have to move agree. On, you don't have to agree with me, PJ. You just have to accept that it might be possible. Yeah, I'm 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 not disagreeing. I'm just present. Um, but yeah, so okay, so moving moving swiftly on. Um, so we should uh, just quickly the credits on this issue, as we've said. Jeff Johnson oh, course, and Derek Robertson do the pencils, and it's written by uh, Fabian Nichiza and Mark Wade. And yes, okay, I apologise. And now moving on, <laughs> we um, we do the classic thing where big double page spread, set the scene, you know, let the artists have some fun, or you know, maybe just curse the name of the writer for making them draw uh, fourteen characters at once. Uh, and then we we punch in on some of the um, individual moments in the battle, and uh, we see Wonder Woman um, wrestling. I'm I believe the character's name is uh, Behemoth or Behemoth or how, uh, how, Behemoth. How, yeah. Behemoth. Yeah, I've always wondered how it's meant to be pronounced. And who who is a big kind of purple monster covered in kind of like like a Hulk esque little knobbly got kind of lumps and bumps all over. Lumpy purple Hulk, and incredibly, 
this is a callback because we learn that uh, Behemoth, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah, sorry, I forgot already, um, is actually the girl from Wonder Woman's school in this reality who suddenly gained a great big purple mutated arm. And slowly through the page, we could see her transforming. Other parts of her were turning purple, getting lumpy. And this is the end result of that. Yeah, and it's it's, it's odd in a way because it's not like every person on uh, this weird enemy superhero team has some connection to the Justice League. But this is obviously a direct connection to um, to Wonder Woman. And we, we learn that um, Terry, the girl, is saying, uh, he told me... I would stay this way forever unless you and your friends were killed. So it's interesting because while there's a lot of reality manipulation going on here, there is also apparently just good old-fashioned personal manipulation going on here. Yeah, and you can see that this is clearly something that, that Terry doesn't want to do. She said, you know, Wonder Woman asks who he is, and Terry basically says, well, I can't tell you, but I also don't want to hurt you. Um hmm. But then they're both interrupted when uh, some woman who was, I guess, invisible gets struck down behind Wonder Woman. <laughs> and yeah. Wonder Woman's like, wait, who's who's this? What's happening? And Jean turns up and says, oh, she was masked from your senses, but not from mine. So Jean just brutally struck her down. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think I'd originally assumed that that particular character was also like a speed a speeder like 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 the flash like a speedster or something but maybe not like maybe i i don't know anymore like maybe she was just able to be invisible or something it's not really ever clearly stated um and now i'm actually just going to move on because something i've only just noticed for the first time the very next panel um Jean is talking to Batman, but neither of them are on the panel. Instead, you have Aquaman fighting the Native American guy, and in the background, there's just a random ATST from Star Wars. Yes. Why is that there? PJ, I'm I'm honestly not sure. Because I, I, I don't want to get into too much meta commentary, but we, we, we mentioned how like uh this team is maybe a little underdeveloped like they are just the kind of generic superhero team to kind of battle uh, and they're made up of archetypes like like the jla like i think we can imagine there is a strong superman guy there's a well i don't know there's a batman-esque kind of stealthy character mm-hmm. and yet there's also that guy with like a gun who's kind of like gray all over and i don't know whether he's the one who summoned an AT-AT? It's very strange. Because these characters are not going to be around for much longer. Uh, no. Because Jean basically says, now that we need to finish this quickly. And Superman says, well, I'm open to suggestions. And then every single member of this other team has a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or maybe just a really bad headache. They, they, you get this, this, I feel like this is a very 90s effect. It's negative panel. So it's, it's done in black and white, but the, the characters are drawn in white and then the background around them is black so, and, and they are screaming. This is, early, this is early days of Photoshop and people realising that you could invert colours. And I do not blame them because 
yeah, I would have gone absolutely hog wild if I could have done that. Um, and then they're just all lying on the ground unconscious at the league's feet. Uh, we will have to assume they are all still alive <laughs> and, and and breathing. Um, but yes, no, PJ, I, I was hoping I could sweep it under the rug and claim that they just had headaches. But no, Wonder Woman does say they all had some kind of seizure. And then Batman painted out for us and just says, a telepathic assault, Jean. I thought you were reverse to such harshness. Yeah, and the team are a bit like, woo, there's, there's, there's a bit much, maybe. And Green Lantern's like, uh, is he, you know, is, is he all there? You know, is he, is he okay? Yeah, and um, then Jean just sort of collapses. I think it's um, a little small thing to know here. I think it's interesting that Kyle call or refers to Jean as this guy because I guess he doesn't really know him really. Yeah, I do wonder had Kyle actually met Jean before this? Probably not. I mean, because again, you're you're actually our, our kind of historian of the DC universe of the time. And, um, I mean, how far do you imagine this is? This would have kind of fallen on Kyle's individual series? Like, it's not that far. Um, I, th- I would say only two, maybe three years of, of physical comics featuring Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern, if that. And he'd maybe um, met Wally. Wait, because, yeah, no, this is late 96, so I believe Kyle was introduced, I don't know, 94, maybe 95 even, actually. Hmm. So, yeah, hmm. only only a couple of years. So he'd met, he definitely met, you know, Superman, Batman, Flash, Wonder Woman, but I don't know if he'd met Jean before this. Yeah. It kind of makes sense, because, like, I think it, when they when they broke Jean out of his little illusion earlier, it, it, gave, it definitely gave the impression that Kyle was the complete newbie who just didn't didn't know who they were dealing with at all um whereas the others are obviously you know old friends of jean and as he kind of collapses um aquaman and batman kind of pick him up and yeah clearly they are you know clearly much more kind of intimate terms they they know each other a lot better yeah and aquaman does does say you know that stunt the giving everyone else a seizure took a lot out of him i wonder if um this is where Aquaman then got the idea for giving uh, Zoom a seizure in issue four of JLA. Yeah, yeah, and that's maybe why he never did it again. Like, yeah. like we can actually chart the uh, progression of Aquaman going, hmm, that's a good idea, doing it, and then probably thinking like, oh no, that that, that did take take it out of me. I know how yeah. Sean felt now. Not <laughs> not going to do that again. There's a um, there's a, there's a little of our own uh, little little continuity that we've made up there. Again, PJ, as we've said many times, it's about what happens between the panels, <laughs> not what happens in them. Um, but yeah, but basically, um, Batman lays it out as he so often does. Um, Jean, with his kind of telepathic abilities, is basically the only one who can find Doctor Destiny, who is the one behind all this, basically. And I love this little bit of snark you get from Jean. Um, where Batman basically says, yeah, we need your help to find Destiny. We rescued you because we required your help. And Jean says, rescued me from what, Batman? Paradise? Thank you so much. Yeah, and clearly, this is obviously a a, a sassier Jean than we've seen, a Jean that we've seen for a while. Because in the pages of JLA, he is 100% 
dedicated to the JLA. Like it's basically his life. Like yeah. he he's, he gives everything to that team. And this, of course, is set before that. So clearly, and frankly, he's just gone through hell. Like it's it's a pretty awful thing. So he is accepting his his duty, but he's not necessarily happy about it. Yeah. Um, even throws in a little dig. It's never clear exactly who this is at. Says, as always, I accept my responsibility. Would that all of you could say the same. Wally assumes it's about him, but um, it's not really made clear which one Jean is throwing shade at here. Yeah. Why? Can you think of any reason why Wally would have assumed it was him? Uh, is it referring to a specific kind of thing about I, Wally? I'm honestly not sure. Um, my... I don't know. Maybe it might be Aquaman was my thinking because he does have a history of going, I'm not getting involved. Um, but Wally assuming, I think Wally just because he knows he's not been the Flash for, he's been a Flash for a couple of years, I would guess, their time, two, three years. But um, obviously he's not Barry Allen. And I think there's still that level of trying to live up to it. So he maybe assume any dig is, is at him. Yeah. Then wishing Barry was there instead, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. It's probably I'm probably overthinking it. I kind of imagined that it might refer to something I wasn't aware of, but yeah, it, it's it's probably nothing. But um, John concentrates and he begins to scour the world for for the for Doctor Destiny. I was going to say for, for who I like I'd forgotten, but no. He, <laughs> and, and we get a very nice uh, kind of splash image of um, this kind of crazy montage of images all in like light blue we get we get random sparkers you know people kind of gaining abilities we get kind of um i guess like little things which are which are almost reminiscent of things we were already familiar with like we see a essentially like a kind of young boy wonder i mean it looks to me like it's someone's mixed robin and bucky yeah, and somebody kind of like taking off an overcoat, and it it's it's kind of Batman esque, but not Batman. If I think you know that that sort of thing, just like weird little evocative kind of like images, and and also clearly, um, a couple of Sentinels yep. from the X Men. Yep. Very much so. Yeah, um, just just because you know. A wasp, a plane, a shark, a fish, a spiky man. It's all sorts uh, of weird stuff happening. A guy floating in the air holding a stick, which is generating lightning, which might be a reference to the Flash villain, the Weather Wizard. Didn't he have the, like a wand or a rod he or did, something? He did have a wand at one point. My brain went to um, obscure 90s Spider-Man anti-hero villain cardiac oh my god cardiac he does yes he does look a little bit like cardiac why do i know who cardiac is <laughs> again i've forgotten the name of a loved one because of that thank you pj <laughs> anytime um but uh, uh john is basically saying you know um we there are just thousands of people every minute gaining super uh, superpowers like the sparking that kind of event is continuing and basically the planet is going to be overrun by superpowered people and it's going to be chaos it's going to be madness like uh, there'll be no way of controlling it everyone will have well bit of an overstatement but everyone will have godlike powers like why obey any rules if we're going to save the planet we have to 
essentially take everyone's powers away. And I love this moment. You get a little look shared between Flash and Green Lantern, and then Kyle just basically says, can we do that? We don't. Do we have the right to take away everyone else's powers? But the rest of the League are all basically going, yep, that's what we're doing. And they don't even stop to think that. But Kyle, being so new at this, is still, well, hang on. Do we... Can we do it? Are we allowed to? And this is one thing that always, like... Which I always find kind of weird. It's like, um, you know, when... Um, when we talk about like a, a team of superheroes, we often say like, oh, they all have powers. But there's a little kind of pernickety bit at the back of my brain where I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> you know, Batman doesn't have powers. And I would I would argue that technically Kyle doesn't have powers. No, he has a ring. He has a device. Yes, 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 yes. And it, it um, a classic, classic thing that used to annoy me was in, um, in the New Avengers where characters would frequently use a like a, a an enemy would use like a power nullifying thing or like shield developed these collars which you could put on someone and it would nullify their powers that always bugged the absolute hell out of me because it kind of makes sense on mutants like i could buy the logic mm-hmm. of we could develop one thing which would um you know nullify the mutant gene and stop your powers working but in the Avengers or the JLA, everyone's powers come from different sources. Like, why would why would a collar stop Thor being strong? Why would a collar stop? Well, I'm 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 projecting now in a hypothetical situation. <laughs> but why would nullifying powers stop Kyle's ring from working? I have no point. There's no conclusion to my rant here. It's just something that always annoyed me. I do not even blame <laughs> this comic. This comic is not even. It's not the fault of this comic. I apologize, comic. It just annoyed me. Well, are you glad you got that off your chest? I am. I'm so sorry, BJ. Good. No, that's fine. We Every every now and then we need to vent. It's fine. It's healthy. It's part of the healing <laughs> process. Um, but yeah, uh, but PJ, as you said, uh, we get this little moment between uh, Kyle and Wally where they look a little uncertain. Yeah. So Kyle then says, well, basically he says... This complicates things. And Wonder Woman says, well, how so? Because it doesn't occur to Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Jean, that taking these people's powers away is a bad thing. And it's Kyle who says, well, we, most of us once didn't have powers, but for a freak accident or what have you. And, you know, maybe we need to, do we have the right to do this? <laughs> Wonder Woman's basically, nope, great or good. That's actually, that's a definitely an interesting point, which I'd not really picked up on before. But most of the, Magnificent Seven were, if not born born with their powers, but they're basically like their powers are them, you know, and excluding Batman. But Kyle and Wally are the only ones who had kind of power put upon them. Yeah, in a way, it's an interesting. Um, yeah, never really thought about it that way. Yeah, and then Superman who points out <clears throat> that. Most of the league have had years of experience and a lifetime of training, and Kyle's like, not me. Yeah, um, I'm basically the um, I'm the teenager behind the wheel of an eighteen wheeler truck yeah. for the first time. Like I have all the power, but you know, I'm just some guy. But um, yeah, Superman and the Martian Manhunter say, "Look, this is big picture. Planet can't handle it. We have to do this." And Kyle does say, "Okay, well, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate, but we can't fight a whole planet." <laughs> And basically, we yeah, we have to get the one guy behind all this. 
and Jean, you know, basically says, well, look, I, well, he, he says, we, we, we can find Dr. Destiny because Kyle, you know where he is. And he, uh, he grabs Kyle, Kyle's head and starts doing his old um, telepathic-y thing. Can I just say, there is one little touch here that I love, which oh, is sorry, Kyle, call, Kyle calls him Mr. Jones. <laughs> That's nice. Just like that, because he doesn't know him, so he's, he he knows he's John Jones, and he just calls him Mister Jones. He's being, po- he's being polite. Not yeah. many, not many superheroes have a surname. So just a nice know. little moment of respect from Kyle. Uh, yeah, a nice little moment of respect, and in return, John grabs his skull with <laughs> fists which confuse coal into diamonds, and um, begins doing the psychic thing. Because in this twisted reality, where Kyle is a comic book artist. Well, he's a comic book artist in a regular reality, but he basically was drawing this comic about Dr. Destiny, which uh, Jean has rightly picked up on, is almost like a clue to finding him. And the two of them get into this kind of like mind meld, and it's it's hard in a way. Like They're struggling to get to the bottom of it. Like It's not coming easy. But we get these shots where like, Kyle's sketches are like overlaid while while they're kind of working this out and they slowly piece it together where they say that like Dr. Destiny uh, he was kind of in prison in this chair like he was shouting for help because he's being held prisoner and then finally right at the last minute Kyle pieces puts the missing piece together and goes he's in Montana like he's in Montana and he says, I was, uh, was going to make his headquarters part of a military research complex outside of but Montana, which is both accurate and very funny. <laughs> is it but or butte? Would you I say? do not know. I, I, the double T makes me think it's but. I'm, I'm going to choose E on the end. So, butty? Butty, yes. It's basically Dr. Destiny is being kept outside of butty Montana. Dr. Destiny is being held prisoner inside her butt. And that's and that's something everyone can enjoy, <laughs> you know. That, that that that's just that's just solid writing. Um, but yeah, PJ. Um, off the back of that, where what happens? Well, the league fly to Montana, and it's Kyle who says that it, he he thinks it's weird that Doctor Destiny would would bait them, and it's John who then pieces together. Well, no, I think Doctor Destiny wants us to find them. I think he wants us to help him. Yeah. Um. Sorry, PJ, not, not that that isn't incredibly relevant, but I just wanted to bring up that Kyle, uh, Kyle is... Well, Aquaman and Batman are yep. riding on what looks a hell of a lot like a big flying manta ray, which Kyle is, I'm going to assume, generating. But I wonder if the colorists had meant to shade it in green as well. Yes, because it's been shaded grey. It at first I thought maybe they that Jean had shapeshifted into something and they were riding on his back, but no, Jean's just below them there. And I had my original assumption upon looking at it was, oh, this is no, this makes sense. This makes perfect sense. Aquaman has brought a giant manta ray with him because it'll be it'll be really helpful in the middle of Montana, and <laughs> Kyle is very helpfully carrying it. But as I think we we both know, what, what what's probably meant to have happened is that Kyle has made a giant manta ray out of lantern energy. Do we think? I think I think you're right. 
Okay, cool. Um, but of course, um, there is no Flash to be found because he has already arrived. In fact, he's already done recon a dozen times. Like you do. It's always a nice little thing, you know. It's, again, it's the stuff you see between the panels. And uh, Kyle points out that um, in the comic he was writing, uh, Dr. Destiny was kind of like hidden behind, you know, lasers, armed gargs, kind of like this really elaborate underground kind of complex. And he's kind of like resenting the fact that he wrote this really far-fetched, ridiculous scenario, which the team are now going to have to deal with in real life. Uh, yeah, so Superman says, oh, obstacles will have to force our way past. And Batman basically goes, I got this. Yeah, uh, and he does that classic, you know, hold, hold my beer, hold my beer. Let, let me handle it. And then we get, if you've ever played one of the Arkham games, we basically get one of the stealth sections. <laughs> yeah, if you actually, again, off panel, there's a gargoyle or two, which he's hanging from. <laughs> um, yeah, and oddly enough, not not for the first time in this run of JLA, we have Batman sneaking into a military facility. And um, shots of guards being taken out. And uh, it's, it's a nice little four panels where you just get hints of Batman. You get his hands or the corner of his cape. Um, and then at the bottom, Superman saying, he never ceases to amaze me. I can't even see him. Can you? And Jean says, no. To which Superman says, how does he do it? But Batman's already behind them. <laughs> Do you um do you ever wonder like if Batman because Batman obviously you know he likes well maybe he doesn't like it but it's his duty to take down criminals you know and uh, they are a cowardly superstitious lot um here he is uh kind of um incapacitating members of the uh, armed forces who you and would think would be pretty well trained <laughs> you you would think but they're not Batman trained and I do wonder if, like, as he's sneaking up behind all these soldiers, he's, like, quietly choking them and going, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> thank, thank you for your service. And kind of, like, like gently kind of lying them down. I mean, or maybe just, just leaving a, a, a dollar bill on each one so they can go get a candy bar when they wake up or something. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, no, he puts, like, a little um, like a little survival pack next to them for when they wake up. Like, here's some Lucasaid. And some uh, Kendall mint cake. You know, you're probably going to feel a bit dehydrated when you wake up. So just, you know, look after your blood sugar. Um, but yeah, so with Batman having uh, incapacitated every guard, like you do, uh, the team start walking into the facility. Uh, and instantly, reality starts to go a bit crazy. Um they find themselves uh, in a jungle, kind of, or walking on water. And um, Superman basically says, look, it's, um, it's an illusion. You know, we just have to believe that we're walking down a regular corridor. You know, we can't trust our senses. We're not walking on water. You know, we just gotta, we've just got to focus and not get distracted. And then it changes to fire, which is a problem for Jean. Yeah, and Jean is just freaking the hell out, basically. And Wonder Woman's trying to comfort him. But at the same time, Flash realises that every time the image changes, there is a nanosecond gap, which is enough time for him to see a door. Yeah, and Kyle rips open the door by making uh, a giant set of pliers out of, you know, lantern energy, which is always nice to see, you know, a bit of creativity. And um, yeah, basically the team look on in shock at the sight of, well, it's actually rather nice little panel of um dr destiny 
full skull mask and everything in his chair, surrounded by this absolutely crazy montage of like twisted versions of the league. I well, guess. it's 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 amalgam, isn't it? They're amalgam versions of the league. So you've got a Flash and Green Lantern mixture, a Super Batman, um, a police officer Superman. Yes. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, and uh Destiny just begging them to be real because he he he's he's wondering if now if he's be- starting to believe that his own illusions uh are are in front of him and he doesn't know what's real anymore. Yeah, he's like uh, completely lost in the dream basically. And yeah, they 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 look at this kind of horrifying sight and they um <laughs> They're not sure, like, you know, is he creating reality or merely kind of monitoring it? And meanwhile, Flash with uh, superhuman speed, of course. I actually, actually, I probably don't need to say that. That's like a, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> uh, is um, pressing 101 buttons trying to work out how to get him out of the machine. Uh, and he's basically only found the light switch so far. Yeah, but it's okay because Superman, Jean and Wonder Woman just rip the chair apart and pull Dr. Destiny out of it instead. Who is actually very... Um, uh, very grateful. He's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you for saving me." And yeah. Wonder Woman hits him with the lasso, and he says, oh, "You don't even need that. I'm happy to just tell you, he, he, whoever's strapped him up, he came to me in a dream, invaded my domain, told me everything I ever wanted would be mine." Yeah, and uh, he basically very kindly lays out the um, lays out the plot. Basically, says what's been happening. Like, look, um, I got to make. A world, you know, and I use that world to make you feel like you've always made me feel like, uh, you know, I always felt useless and inferior. And yeah, basically, I, I, I gave you a taste of your own medicine. And um, but and he says, but I realized the toys were mine, but the sandbox was his, which is a weird turn of phrase. But I guess it kind of makes sense because <laughs> Batman says, who is he? And suddenly the entire team are. I guess kind of racked with pain. Uh, it's like a weird kind of energy field going on. Yeah, um, it sort of seems to slightly distort them. Um, pressure waves or gravity. Or they're, they're all they're all forced to the ground as no man makes his entrance. Looking again, gloriously nineties. I mean, this is like pure. I want to say like cable pure. Who's, was it Strife, like Cable's yeah. clone? Yeah, yeah, just like a bit apocalypse just this big, chunky kind of like metal suit with a cape. It is a powerful look. I know because I recreated it in pretty much every teenage <laughs> supervillain I drew, basically. So he gets a full splash page as he appears, um, introduces himself. He gets a logo, No Man. No Man. Um, and then he says to the League, um, the actions you've taken today will result in the extinction of humanity. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, and, good. and this is how you know he's a villain, PJ. Because he makes a pun. Because he says, uh, the pressure you put upon me is enormous. Allow me to return the favour. Which so I guess yeah, kind of confirms it is like a pressure wave. Kind yeah, of he's, he's, he's forcing the League to the floor. As you say, gravity or some kind of just unseen force. But, you know, Aquaman knows how to deal with pressure. Because he's frequently under pressure because of all his administrative duties as King of the Sea. 
I don't. Yeah, why not? Yeah, there's no other interpretation, PJ. No, no not a one, not a one. Uh, and Aquaman is able to snare No Man's cape on his hook and yank him down. I've got to say, that's not a good look for No Man. Like that is very <laughs> undignified. <laughs> yeah, it is. If I had spent months kind of making the costume, you know, practicing in front of the, mil- the mirror, you know, working on your uh, your elocution, you know, making sure you've got that superhero, supervillain kind of intro down. This is like a nightmare, if you will. It's like turning up to school and in a dream and like you forgot your trousers or something like that. Because Aquaman <laughs> just yanks him very unceremoniously down to the ground. At which point Jean goes over to Destiny. Because Jean realises we need to get the information here. We need to know who this guy is. And, um, well, he gets flowery in the prose. Because he says, Destiny, who is this madman? But then starts asking him how much of his soul did he sell to the devil? I know how much it cost me. And, oh, they they go back and forth a bit. And, you know, just get to the point, Jean. Uh, Meanwhile, getting to the point, Superman uh, just... Uh, rockets towards no man uh, again also getting a little flowery on the dialogue because he says most would be conquerors wouldn't be happy to see the seven of us together and no man basically like gestures upwards and superman uh, drastically changes trajectory and, and then suddenly in a wonderful transition is um is floating in space kind of like um Utterly miles away from anywhere, looking uh, rather confused. I love the look on Superman's face here. He's just completely bemused. Like, oh, wait a second, what happened? Wait, wait, what? 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 That doesn't normally happen. <laughs> normally, I kill them and then use my super speed to cover it up. I mean, oh no, no, wait, no, no. Um, and yeah, no man. He's he's got his uh, he's got his swagger back, and he's basically saying like, you know, look, I'm not here to conquer the world. You know, if I can get rid of you, I will actually save the world. Oh. Maybe he's not the bad guy, PJ. But he must be. He just threw Superman into space. Well, he didn't. You know, maybe Superman had it coming. You know? <laughs> have, we, have we thought about that? No, not for a second. Look, PJ, there are two sides to every argument. And I think it's very important that we let the villain have his time. Okay? I mean, yeah, okay. But as Jean does point out, save the world how? And Jean is still angry about the whole my family thing. He says, by giving me a taste of how sweet life could be, only to snatch its nectar from my lips. <laughs> and and I love how Batman goes like, Jean, please, less less flowery. Please. Yeah, come on, come on, Jean, get it <laughs> together. Like, Rain it in, Jean. <laughs> and, and then Jean says, you have no idea what he took from me. And then Batman very pointedly just says, yes, I do. And Jean's like, yeah, all right. Okay, fair enough. And um, Aquaman basically jams his, his hook or trident like up into Dr. Destiny's mask, which uh, can't be pleasant. Oh, God, and he goes a bit flowery as well because yeah. he says, like, by hook or by crook. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Is it like proximity to Dr. Destiny? They're all it suddenly must like... be. <laughs> um, yeah, and the team are... I don't know. I mean, no man is very politely just standing there. Yeah, uh, none of this... How, how Kyle's basically, let's get him! And Flash says, but he pushed Superman out into orbit. Yeah, and No Man is basically like, well, he's got a big, he's got a good old force field on. He's got like a glowing kind of shield around him. So, nineties parlance teaches me that this means he'll be fine. This means he's probably invincible when that shield is up. And he's not doing anything. Like he's basically, he's not attacking them. He's quite happy just to look smug and say that. You know, he's 
not actually like hurting them doesn't actually serve his purpose in any way. Yeah, he he's basically saying the fact that you foiled my plan here with Doctor Destiny, uh, hurting you is actually not a good idea. Um, yeah, and Superman rockets back in. You know, he, yes, he was blasted up to the uh, ionosphere, but uh, now he's back. You know, it's fine. And um, yeah, No Man just continues to say, "Look, you know, I didn't want to fight. Like my job is, I'm here to save the world, and you know, you people keep trying to stop me." And, yeah, while he's monologuing, there is uh, a plan developing. Well, in one Maliga's mind, um, you have Jean and Aquaman basically stood by Dr. Destiny and saying to Batman, so what's the plan? And Batman says, you both have telepathic abilities, yeah. And uh, Aquaman's very much, well, mine are limited, but yeah, why not? At which point... Batman basically straps all three of them to each other very quickly. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, Batman... I, I do like the Batman approach where he's like, okay, look, I, I'm very smart. I've never run a weird machine that alters reality before. But you know what? I'm just going to... I think I can work out which end is the pointy bit. Yeah. And, yeah, he's just like, we're just going to do it. And also, I I do like the idea that this is actually just happening in the exact same room. Like yeah. and, and no man can see all this happening, but is too busy monologuing to really pay attention. So he basically puts Destiny back in into this device, connected to Jean, so that Jean can, within Destiny's mind, power, dream thing, touch the minds of everyone else in the world and bring them out of the nightmare, while connecting him to Aquaman so that Aquaman can try and help keep Jean grounded. Yes, because again, we we see. I'm thinking of another moment in in JLA that we will eventually get to, where we do see Aquaman and Jean use their powers in in harmony. Another mm. time, actually, mm. and it's it's really interesting because one of the things I actually kind of like about the JLA is how they weren't designed by a committee. Yeah, like um, you know, there's, there there are weird overlaps between their powers, like because uh, because again, originally they were all individual characters that just happened to be gathered into the Justice League. But you know, a lot of them can fly. Superman, Wonder Woman, Jean—they're all incredibly strong. You know, and, and then just that weird little quirk that both Jean and Aquaman have telepathy. And yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know enough about Aquaman outside of JLA to know how frequently they explore that side of his powers, aside from the obvious one of being able to talk to fish. And and what he did to, or will do, I guess, to, to Zoom in um, the Hyperclan. And, and the, the most burning question, why doesn't he do it more often? <laughs> did he cross a line that day? Yes, yes. I think so. <laughs> Because he made a pun, remember? Oh, he did, he did. And he felt bad about it, to his he credit. <laughs> and speaking of puns, I've got to say, something has happened to the team over the last few pages because they are dropping a lot of, if not puns, but very leading comments. Like, Batman says that, Aquaman, you'll have to be Zhong's anchor, eh? You know, like, <laughs> like, like the sea. And now he also says, uh, stay focused, don't lose yourself to the tide. Because Aqua, man. Aqua. 
I do like the idea that Aquaman might not understand things unless you can <laughs> you can you can unless explain you put it an using ocean referencing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like when um you know, it's like a like a current Aquaman, like when you're kind of caught up in something, he's like, oh, got it. Got it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, he does another one. He says, you've got to keep Jean tethered. What's happening, PJ? I mean... It... Am I losing my mind? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe this is where, like, the team are getting out of their system. And that's why, like, in the next... When we next see the team in issue one of or the first arc of JLA... Aquaman then apologizes for making a pun. Maybe that's why he he says no, I'm not going to join the team as well. He he basically is all like, no, there were too many puns. I didn't like it. Um, but cutting away from the puns and uh, and me being pedantic, um, we have Superman and Kyle basically just letting rip on No Man and not really getting anywhere. Yeah, he's doing that very, very... It's a real power move, I've got to say, of just standing perfectly still, surrounded by his force field, while nothing happens to him. Yeah. So Superman's wailing on him, and also asking, though, how are we preventing you from helping the Earth? And um, no man decides, I'm going to tell you my origin. Yeah, because, again, they can't hurt him. He's got a nice little force field. And I never realised this, because I, I, I heard a little bit about no man... But I had no idea that his origins were tied to the Green Lantern Corps, in a way. It's, um, th- we're going to get a whole load of um, DC continuity bombs dropped on us in a moment, so strap in. Yeah. Now, PJ, do you want to do the honours here? Because I feel you may be more knowledgeable than me here regarding S- Oa. Uh- so, yeah, No Man basically says Green Lantern knows his origin, and Kyle's like, wait, what, huh? <laughs> um, so we get, he tells us about the, the origins of the Guardians, um, that the planet Maltus was divided into two factions. Uh, you have the Controllers, who spend millennia developing anti-war weapons, and you have the Guardians, who develop their intergalactic peacekeeping corps, the Green Lanterns. And, yes, uh, I'm with you so far. At which point Kyle is like, oh, this is big. So, uh, <laughs> No Man tells us that he he has been privy to a sliver of the infinite potential of the Guardians and the Controllers for thousands and thousands of years. Um, so, one of the Controllers crash lands on Earth uh, and... A savage caveman type being is chosen by this dying controller to carry on his mission, uh, which is to create the their space sector's ultimate anti-war weapon. And he chooses he chooses the guy who would eventually become No Man. No Man does say another was considered, but he turned out to be too savage. Oh, huh? I know, huh? I know, I know that one. Huh? That's, yes, uh... it's the master from Alpha Flight. No, sorry, it's um... <laughs> uh, Vandal Savage. <laughs> this this caveman wanders into a spaceship and becomes all all powerful and knowledgeable. Origin is surprisingly common in comics. Yeah, because I, I now I can think of at least three Neanderthals from 
DC continuity who gained superhero superhero powers and yep. who knew each other back in the day. Because there's the Immortal Man, yep. uh, Vandal Savage, and now No Man. And it's the same origin as the master in Marvel Comics, the master of the world, the Alpha Flight bad guy. Oh, is he really? I, I knew the character, but I didn't know that was his deal as yep. well. Yeah. Huh. How many spaceships were cr- and, and things were <laughs> crashing onto Earth at that time? Loads. And to that one tribe as well. Um, but yeah, I guess, and we're seeing all this kind of play out in glorious flashback. And yeah, I guess No Man helps himself to all the technology and kind of library of data from inside this crash spaceship. And uh, also shaves. Yep. And and makes himself a nice costume. Yeah, uh, and and presumably dyes his hair pink as well while he's at it, which is again <laughs> powerful look. Not going to take that away from him. Um, and I'm guessing is now immortal. Yeah, and he says that he's the 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 intellectual curiosity he was endowed with by the controller uh, and the gift of immortality, basically tells him what he needs to know. He, that's how he learns what he needs to do to save the world. Which Superman says, from... Because, you know, come on, come on. You're telling us this long story. Get to the point. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. And No Man just says, from the inevitable. And basically he says he's seen the future of the human race and he witnesses a horror beyond imagining of thunder and fire from heaven itself. Mm. Remember that. And, and we see this uh, really, like... Evocative kind of image. It's like blood red skies and like thousands of arms raised aloft, all all holding spears, just dripping with blood. Like it, it's not a not a groovy scene. No, it's not. And then No Man says, "The day is coming, perhaps soon, when the world will need to protect itself from the ultimate warbringer." Um, he's been trying to to fulfill his mission uh, by combining his power with Doctor Destiny's, and the League have basically messed it all up. Yeah, he's like, why? Why couldn't you just you know play nice and let me create a planet of superheroes? You know, would 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 that have been so hard? Although I guess, of course, Doctor Destiny did kind of sow those <laughs> seeds to wake them up. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, because he was being used and he didn't like it. But Superman does raise the point, um, No Man refers to the uh, League as the most powerful beings on Earth, gods choosing to live like peasants. And and Superman does point out, well, you know, you talk of gods, but what about free will? Man's choice to rise above his adversity and be a hero by his own means. Instead, you ground our noses in a reality in which we were helpless, useless... Basically saying, you know, you forced this on people, you didn't give them a choice, and the world has gone to hell because of it. This isn't saving the world. You need to give us the chance to save it properly. Yeah, it's interesting in a way, because it's like there are... This is a theme which will get re-explored, or was explored, in uh, the first arc of JLA, where very much the Hyperclan challenged the JLA by these ideals as well like the idea of well look you are you have godlike power but what have you actually done to help the world which which makes me think that these two arcs were maybe being written concurrently and and maybe Wade and Cheese knew 
the vague shape of what Morrison was going to try and do, but they didn't know the details of, of the stories he was planning to tell. Mm. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and the, the two the two work is like a nice little kind of, well, yeah, a nice little double feature in a, in a weird way. It's almost like um, I kind of see this story as like the end of an era, and and also the beginning of a new one. But the the arc we just did with the Hyper Clan is very much the start of something new, and it's interesting that they both they both playing with the same kind of like ideas, I suppose. Oh. Wally even comments on it. He even makes a reference to No Man and, and what happened here in, I think it was issue three of JLA. Yes. Yeah, so it's clearly like, you know, fresh on all their minds. And um, No Man goes on and says like, you know, well, look, I, you could have just, you could have had a chance to be human. It's what you all kind of wanted deep down. But instead, you didn't want to save the world. You were jealous of the people who had that power. And that's why you rebelled against this reality. And Superman does not like that. No, and in fact, as he shouts liar, you can tell he's annoyed because his his speech bubble has the exact same highlight colour as No Man's hair. <laughs> Which is, of course, that's how you know... That's, kids, that's comic shorthand. Take note, if someone is angry at someone, make sure their speech bubble is the same colour as that person's hair. Yeah. It's yeah. very important. I've done it countless times. PJ, I'm sure you'd agree. I, 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 it's the one hard and fast rule of comics. And I've, I've got to say, like um, having the two artists on the series has, has, you know, has worked, you know, absolutely fine. But I, I do find the transition here just a little jarring. Uh, it's most of the time you find that they've done it where they've been drawing different scenes. Um, like we all have one scene by one artist. It'll cut to a completely different location and set of characters for the other artist. But this is in the middle of a scene it changes and yeah it is a bit weird and jarring if only because no man uh who already is a striking figure uh, does does the, the transition from one art style to a next is, it, of no man is quite is quite kind of shocking here because uh yeah i don't know like his purple hair is suddenly incredibly noticeable hmm. now all of a sudden and yeah and a superman with his glorious hair as well is just um wailing on no man who's is basically not not even blinking is his force field takes all takes all that anger and superman's basically saying like you know look you didn't need to remind us of our limitations it's like i'm i'm already aware of them like you know every day i wish i could do more to help people um and i'm i'm forever trying to live up to the name they gave me and you know superman's like you know hey hey please all right i get it you know it, it's a nice little insight into superman i think this this moment of him saying they called me Superman. I'm just trying to live up to that, and I know that I'm not doing enough. When he is just about the only person who thinks he's not doing enough. Yeah, yeah. Classic um, overworker, to be honest. You know, he's his own harshest critic. And although, you know, No Man's also a bit of a harsh critic, because he says, indeed, perhaps you deserve then to be removed of any and all limitations. And suddenly... Superman is standing in the middle of a city and he's kind of talking, but his voice is like the loudest thing in the world. And like every sentence is like a sonic blast and it's just causing like things to explode and cars to go kind of flying. Uh, and his, his, 
his eyes, he can't stop his heat vision, and it's at an intensity where everything he's looking at is just burning to ash. He is destroying the planet. Yeah, just, it's kind of like, just it's, by being there. It's kind of like everything he's kind of always feared, because like, yeah, like the devastation he's, he, yeah, the devastation he's kind of wreaking, like just by existing, like it's, like basically buildings are being leveled. And and then we cut suddenly to the Flash, who's who's kind of racing past traffic in this absolute blur, and yeah, like he's you know he you can tell he's moving super fast because there are now no spaces between his words. And he says he he can't slow down. He's he's just become pure motion, living between the ticks of a second. It's very um. It reminds me a bit of um, uh, in Kingdom Come. Yes, where the future version of a flash has kind of evolved into this silent speed creature who 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 it moves so fast that no one even really sees them, and they're just constantly constantly writing wrongs uh, yeah between between blinks uh and then and then we see Wonder Woman and and there are all these girls uh, coming to water like dressed as her, like wearing the Wonder Woman outfit and they're basically all like pleading with her, like, you know, teach us, uh, we need you, show us the way. And they're basically worshipping her. And she's like, no, 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 for God's sake, no, stop it. Like, I didn't, I didn't teach, I didn't come here to like, you know, be worshipped. I tried to like empower you. Like, you don't need me to be like your God in a weird way. And then it cuts to Kyle, Green Lantern, who, again, very kingdom come, just... Yes, sat oddly ab- enough, yeah. Sat above the Earth on a, a big green space station. S- basically saying, my, my power puts me above them all. I'm their guardian. I can't be among them. I have to... Only I can do this. I have to be away from them, apart from Earth. The most human of the League is the one who can't be among humans. I can think of a few moments where <clears throat> Green Lanterns have been criticized because because every every green lantern is meant to be like in charge of a sector of space and certainly like kyle or hal or john or any of the green lanterns before him they have many planets under their jurisdiction and i think they are frequently criticized it's like uh, hey you know you have other planets you're meant to be looking after why Mm -hmm. do you spend so much time on earth and i think they have pointed out a few times like look earth it it attracts a lot of trouble it's a mess it's a mess basically like you you want me here looking at earth because if i don't keep an eye on this shit <laughs> it will be everyone's problem soon um but yeah sorry and uh, we have um aquaman who uh has too many fish who <laughs> too many fish who need his help basically he's, he's basically hearing every thought of every fish in the ocean and then he he starts to become the ocean and again very very kingdom come this is weird like because then we see batman and he's patrolling Gotham with the aid of bat robots. He's made Gotham safe by, yeah, deploying his his army of robots, as I, I call them. PJ, when did when did Kingdom come? It was before this. It was before this. Interesting. Yeah, so, but was... since it's Mark Wade, I think we can assume he's done it on purpose. Yeah, this has got because I swear, even those bat robots look like the bat robots in in kingdom come they've got those weird kind of shoulder things and uh yeah and batman's like hey you know i finally kept everyone safe by 
taking away all their freedom, you know, by watching them constantly. And yeah, Jean is, and then we cut to Jean and, and he's surrounded by flames and he's, he's having to live through his wife and child dying all over again. And he, he tries to take them by the hand and be with them. And then a weird little girl grabs his hand instead. Yeah, and starts talking to him with the voice of Dr. Destiny. Yeah, and it's... The girl says, no man made a mistake. He tried to take something away from you. And the girl is holding the tentacle of a weird alien creature with a big head and loads of tentacles, who then also speaks in Dr. Destiny's voice and says he tried to take something away from you and you'd already lost everything. Yeah, and... Now, again, PJ, I might have to defer to your superior knowledge here, but there's like a chain of people here. I don't are know they... if these... I don't know who they're supposed to be, if they're actually specific characters or if these are just weird creations for this series, to be honest. Well, I feel like I recognise the last person in the chain. Is that not Killer Frost? Oh, it might be. So I was wondering, are these meant to be characters for who Jean has interacted with over the years? Maybe I genuinely don't know. They, no. we may need someone. We may need someone with more of a Martian Manhunter kind of understanding than us to to, <laughs> to explain what's going here. Because I kind of read this as these are like tethers to Jong's life, like people he knew, maybe like friends or enemies. I'm not sure. Um, or as you say, it could be completely random, and maybe I'm overthinking it. But Doctor Destiny's who is the last person in the chain. And he basically says, look, you know, um, no man made a critical mistake because we tried to take something away from you, but you'd already lost everything. And, you know, so I'm giving you back the connection you needed to a family that needs you. And that family is mankind. And yeah, and then from that, we we cut to... Well, I guess reality. We we cut to what's kind of happening, and we see that people are losing their powers, and the world is returning to what it was. And um, yeah, so you you get just you do get a man falling off a wall. I do feel a bit. So, I do feel a bit sorry for him. Like, yeah. yeah, I hope he's okay. I hope he landed on something soft. No, he didn't. That man's He'd, dead. Uh, he's, he's dead. Yeah, another casualty of the JLA. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, Doctor Destiny is saying, like, you know, Batman's plan worked. Like, you, we healed the world, and you know, as as everything returns to normal for most people, it will just seem like a bad, like a bad dream, like it never really happened. And Destiny also says, you know, the the world was mine. It was all I ever wanted, and it was more than I could bear. And then he. Fades away? Yeah, he just seems to, as if he was never there, fade out of existence. Which begs the question, was he really there? Ooh. And also, do, do, you, do you suppose, was that the... I mean, no no one ever stays dead in comics for long. And, and this was like 24, 23 years ago now. So, do, was that the end of Doctor Destiny? Did he come back? He did. Think? Oh, wow. And we will get to that. Oh. Ooh, intriguing um but yeah so uh 
John is now alone and I guess has had his place in the world and his place in the JLA kind of like reaffirmed. Like he, he, he seems to have his focus back. But he's the only member of the League who has reawakened. He stands over the rest of them still in their nightmares. They're, they're all lying on the ground. And he, he goes over to Wonder Woman, takes the lasso of truth, and uses it to bring them all out of their nightmares. Yeah, like we we, we see the the Leaguers like individually like caught in their like twisted realities and Zhong's voice like reaches out to them and they all see the lasso, like this kind of like um, golden thread. And all they have to do is reach out and grasp it. And we get like this brief montage of Batman, uh, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Flash kind of like snapping out of it. And then we have Superman like standing in like this ruined city. And he, he's kind of whispering. He's like saying like, you know, I, I, if I move, if I, if, I, if I blink, if I even breathe, then things crumble down he's just kind of like lost in this nightmare and basically like just going i'm sorry i'm so sorry and then john john appears and he's holding the lasso and he says you know you have nothing to apologize this isn't you it could never be you and um yeah and this is like a nice i've got to say like quite a nice little character moment like these yeah, two these two aliens on the planet and uh yeah you know and, and superman's like you know stay back i don't want to hurt you and energy's pouring out of his eyes and uh, Zhang says, you know, you couldn't, you know, you could, you couldn't, my old friend, you know, all you've ever done, all you know how to do is help. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. And just let me help you. Let me help us all hold on to the truth. And then Superman grabs the lasso and the League are awake. And they're suddenly back and having already saved the world, all that really remains is to beat the ever-loving crap out of no man. And uh, the team race into action. And then uh, Jean basically makes his arms immaterial and just puts them straight through the force field and grabs no man by the throat. And, you know, probably, if he wanted, could have killed him. Could've I think he could have. I, yeah, just... I think and were we at the beginning of this issue, he would have. He probably would have done. Um, but again, no man doesn't seem too phased. By all this uh, and he says like you know congratulations you you stopped me from creating uh like a whole race of superhumans to defend this part of space um so yeah i hope you can live with the consequences of that because by stopping me it means that it's entirely up to you to protect the earth from the coming menace i foresaw mm. And then he says, I do not know its nature. I know not precisely how it will strike, nor when, but it comes. And it will come suddenly and without warning. So clearly Grant Morrison had not decided exactly what form <laughs> it was going to take at this point. We have some vague ideas for how the series might conclude, but you know, we'll, we'll fill in the blanks along the way. Uh, but then No Man basically says, the job of thwarting this threat falls to you. I hope you're up to the task. And just blinks away. And we never, ever see him again. I was going to ask you, PJ, because, again, you, uh, you, your knowledge is perfect. And it's incredible because you, you teach me so much. <laughs> but, yeah, so we genuinely never see No Man again. I, I'm pretty sure this is the last and, and indeed, first Midsummer Nightmare uh, appearance of No Man. I don't think he ever appeared anywhere ever again. He served his purpose. 
He gets mentioned a few times, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I hope he's happy. Like, wherever he is. He he got married and had some kids, settled down. With he, the, met, he met he met a nice uh, he met a no nice woman. Uh, no woman or no man. <laughs> he met another no man, and they're they're quite happy out there together uh, in space. Um, so yeah, so incredibly, all that remains is to wrap wrap things up, and the team are like, uh, okay, like he's gone. We saved the world. What now? I guess. Yep. And then it's Green Lantern who says, well, he's left us with lots to think about, coming threats, and was he crazy? And, and then says, we hardly got a chance to even the score, at which point Aquaman prods him with his hook and says, be happy with the tie, boy. Yeah, and Batman basically says, okay, you know, look, we all know I don't get on with people. I'm not really a it's, team player. Let's be this is the speech Batman makes every single time the Justice League reforms. <laughs> it's almost like... Like Batman, are you overcompensating a bit? Like, do you do you like us? Like, do you actually enjoy having us around? It's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm a team player. No, no, gather around and listen to me saying I'm not a team player. Um, but yeah, but he basically gives his time on a speech about saying, look, I don't like any of you people. Uh, I don't like working with people. But I have to say, there was a kind of lumbering grace to what we accomplished together, which is like as. <laughs> The most backhanded compliment he can possibly Lumbering give. grace. And, yeah, Wonder Woman agrees. She says, there was a spark okay, to our teamwork. You know, getting those puns in. And she says, "I can, as a warrior, I can tell you there's a magic to that. And then Superman's like, I prefer chemistry because magic is one of my weaknesses. So that is true. That is now, true. Um, now, PJ, what are what are Superman's three weaknesses? Kryptonite, mm-hmm. magic, mm-hmm. and more kryptonite. Red sunlight. Oh, that doesn't count. That is a weakness. That yeah. is a we- that, that is a weakness. He's been hit multiple times with red sunlight to uh, rob rob him of his powers. No, that's just you know, he's fine. He can get along with life under red sunlight. <laughs> he just can't fly. What I was going to ask is, we we there is, I believe, a kryptonite man out yeah. there, yeah, who, uh, who has the powers of kryptonite, <laughs> and I'm just wondering, has there been a Superman villain who simultaneously has a lump of kryptonite, some magical powers, and a red heat lamp on his forehead? I don't know. I don't. Well, one that would be overkill. Two, I think. If you use the red sunlight on Superman, does that mean the kryptonite doesn't affect him anymore? Because I, I would like to draw your attention to Exhibit A, which is uh, part four of the JLA Avengers crossover, <laughs> where, oh God, I want to say Radioactive Man is generating kryptonite radiation and solar is generating red sunlight and they are blasting Superman at the same time. That's true. There's something like, oh, that bald dude told us about these weird frequencies that make no sense to us, but look what they're doing. (laughs) It turns out we have one very specific frequency of radiation which is useless in our universe, but is really good at killing this one race of superpowered gogs 
from the next door universe. I mean, there are a lot of moments like that in JLA Avengers that I would love to discuss in depth with you. At some we point. we will definitely cover that. We have to. I think. <laughs> yeah, that'll be like our holiday, like our mid-season break. <laughs> um, but yes, sorry, PJ. Um, so uh, Superman talking about how much he likes chemistry, mm. and then he says, "Over over to you." He says, there were moments when I felt as if the seven of us could handle anything. And then I I quite like this, actually, this little point where he says, I refuse to see us banded together, manipulated, thanks solely to a madman's threat. If there is something coming, that's something we can worry about tomorrow. So it's like, yeah, okay, we did good here. I don't want us to, to stay together just because of some guy putting us together and saying this thing's coming. We We should be together because it's the makes sense it's the right thing to do and you know divided we may fall but united we can stand now and forever as the avengers as the the justice league (laughs) and you get a lovely page of superman green lantern martian manhunter and wonder woman taking off and then green lantern also has wrapped up flash aquaman and batman with energy so they can fly too and batman's just sort of got his arms folded going all right i'll do it now, do you think they had any say in the matter? Because no, not at all. Well, here's the thing. Superman is very, very, very good at an impromptu inspirational speech. Yeah. Like, the, the amount, we saw it in uh, the opening run of JLA, the main series, where they put a camera in front of him, he hasn't rehearsed or anything, and just says the absolute perfect thing. Like, he, he, he always just has the right word for the right occasion. So he's done it again. He's 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 giving one of these incredible speeches. The rest of the team, you know, have to hand it to him. God, he's good at that. And but again, there's a cue because he goes, you know, now and forever, dot dot dot, and then in sync the team, you know, kind of fly into the air. But for that to have happened, Kyle would have to have essentially snagged uh, <laughs> Aquaman, Batman, and Flash, kind of against their will to launch them all into the air in perfect kind of synchronicity. Now, also, the other thing here is Batman and Flash, they just sort of look like they're like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Aquaman (laughs) looks like he's going, holy shit, I can fly. (laughs) It's like, finally, I'm relevant. It's just the look on... He's doing the flight pose. He's posing the same way as Superman and Wonder Woman. And his face is all like, what? (laughs) I do wonder... Again, again, here's me... I'm just being an asshole for fun, but like I do, I, I do love, I do love the logistics of a good team. Oh pose. yeah, it's great because the flyers in the team may adopt those poses because they work well. If you're flying, you know, maybe it helps to have like an arm outstretched. Aquaman has no experience of flying, and yet he's assumed the pose. Does that make him like a wannabe flyer? Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> he's like, I, hey, Aquaman, how do you know how to do that? No, shut up. I don't. I don't practice. You know, <laughs> I don't swim like this on a regular basis. <laughs> I've never done this before. <laughs> like, at least Batman and and Flash have the decency to just uh, assume what I imagine is a comfortable being lifted by a Green Lantern pose. Yeah, <laughs> like that's got to happen a fair bit. Um, but yeah, PJ, with with that. That that is the the exciting conclusion of a Midsummer's Nightmare. 
Now, in my trade, uh, this is followed up with um, fact files on each member of the league with a lovely Howard Porter picture from the first four issues of JLA. Yes, and then... I am enjoying. I'm enjoying that as well. Ah, oh, good. And then, yeah, facts about the uh, each member. So clearly, New World Order. Those stories were in process at least while Midsummer mm. Nightmare was happening. I do wonder also, you know, because again, they they've taken um, kind of quote-unquote hero shots of each of the Magnificent Seven from New World Order. I think they've been recoloured. He said. Uh, I think you might be right, because I I think that Superman one, that Superman one looks to me like it's uh, the one where from where he's flying towards the White House in issue one. That is in which the very we, first page. In which we talked about how half his face is blue yes of course from a lighting yeah. effect um and we we very specifically talk about that as maybe a reference to electric blue superman um but obviously here it's just flesh colored so i think you're right i think certainly superman's been recolored i don't know wonder woman and batman to be honest look like they do i don't know i think there's like a little there's a little more of like a a glow is the wrong word but it, it was like the there was like a shift in comic colouring at some point and it went from being like kind of solid, like matte colours to everything having like a kind of slight, three-dimensional is the wrong word, but like a slightly gradient-y kind of colour. I think it was like the rise of digital colouring, if I'm, if mm. I'm honest. Um, but PJ, we have finally arrived at the end of A Mixum's Nightmare. So... What 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 are your what are your thoughts? How do we what do, how do we wrap this all up with a with a neat bow? I, I like I honestly I think there's a, a lot happens in issue three. I almost feel like issue three could have used a little more space to breathe. I um, would agree with you there. Uh, a lot happens and some of it is is a bit. No, this has happened. Okay, it's fine. Um, yeah, I, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just kind of thinking and agreeing with you and making noises. <laughs> Um, I feel like there are elements of of um, what Batman, Jean, and Aquaman do with Doctor Destiny to sort of fix the world is is a little glossed over and a little. There's no real specificity to it. It's just well, this happened and we'll undo it this way, and yay, it works. And you just don't question it. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one because we, having looked at like, and I've been reading it chapter by chapter or issue by issue, and it's kind of interesting how. We talked about the first part being slow is the wrong word, but the first part is is paced quite well. Yeah, and actually, like setting up the mystery, and I think we kind of um, applauded their commitment to the bit in doing spending a whole issue with our depowered heroes, like totally going, look, this is the weird new reality we find ourselves in, and they spend a lot of time setting up the new world. Like they really, they really put the effort in, and, and then in issue two is is a long time. But all of issue two is getting the league back together, and just getting to the point where they are the league. It's it's again, it's you get those lovely moments between Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman and Aquaman, um, and they take their time with them to really just make them work and and get the character beats in. Yeah, and and then and then I have to say, like the final part, they they do race through. The content, like it, it really kind of shoots along. Like 
it's actually kind of weird that like one thing I found I found quite kind of um, shocking is we end chapter two with this you know rival superhero team kind of turning up and it's all set for like this big kind of like uh, epic fight between between the two teams and that's over in sorry I'm just flicking back through it now if you exclude the double page spread the fight is over in two pages I do like that though that sort of rug pull of we've set you up for this big fight and then Jean just downs them Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. I like the uh, the subversion of expectations there, and obviously there is an element of we've got to get on to Doctor Destiny and No Man, but um, I think that bit is actually done really well. Um, ah, it's really it, it's only really for me when they get to Doctor Destiny and No Man that there's a lot crammed in, maybe a bit too much, and they could have done with a bit more space for all of that. I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I think it's it's almost um, if anything it's a slight victim of its own ambition because they clearly yeah. had so much kind of stuff they wanted to fit in and again all those moments are individually great you know I, you know batman sneaking in uh you know the 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 idea of jean and aquaman working together to kind of alter reality but even like it, it gets a little kind of stop starty yes um and, and again i, I don't want to because i don't want to like hold up the main series on a pedestal because I think there's a couple of there are definitely a couple of moments in the main JLA series where something very similar happens where it feels like in the concluding chapter there's a lot we wanted to fit in and we kind of ran out of space a little bit so we kind of you know it, it, I don't know it, the, the pacing kind of suffers a little bit but the individual moments are all good yeah and again like I think back of like the, the mini series as a whole and again, there were some nice, a couple of nice kind of character moments in in this chapter. You know, uh, the, the league dealing with their individual fears about what their powers might mean if they ever got out of control. Um, but I, I still feel like issue two kind of had like the most incredible moments in it. When I think about um, Clark and Diana. Yes. Um, the fish tank. I love the fish tank. That might be my favourite moment of the whole series. I think it might be. Like, it's like it, it's, it's, it's weird in a way that, like, you have all these epic kind of, um, epic kind of moments happening. And yet, yeah, it's, it's just um, the, uh, the um, Bruce, Bruce Wayne smashing Aquaman's head into a fish tank is maybe just one of the genuinely both laugh out loud and awesome kind of moments the series could could muster it's just pure batman and i love it <laughs> it's um it, it's weird in a way because like the there's a there's a problem the the challenge when you have a big ensemble cast the the, the challenge is obviously finding something for all of them to do yeah and also giving them all the time and space they 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 need like it, or maybe it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a quantity thing it shouldn't be like you know oh wonder woman has to have two pages green lantern has to have two pages it's like it's a it's a value thing like do they each do something meaningful and and it can be hard because the larger your cast the harder it is to make them all kind of fit and i do feel like in that final confrontation it's maybe like Aquaman uh, kind of almost has to have 
that joint psychic responsibility with Jean, because otherwise he'd have nothing to do in a weird way. And come to think of it, I don't think Flash actually does a massive amount in this issue. Or Wonder Woman, to be honest. I feel like Wonder, Wonder Woman's Woman, kind yeah. of underserved. She gets that moment with Terry, the, the, the former student, at the beginning of the issue, but nothing really comes of that in the end, and then she doesn't really get much else to do. Yeah, it's... It's weird in a way, because I, I, again, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too critical. I, I, I do feel like if you look at the series as a whole, there was some, there was some weird little uh, plot. These little, these little things were kind of like seeded, and then they never quite kind of went anywhere. So, like the, um, the evil team, for example, it's like we had one scene, I think, in issue two where we have Onyx, who's very much like the Wonder Woman analogue. We see her being recruited to, I'm guessing, the, the evil team by this guy in a suit. And then we, I remember talking about it, thinking like, well, is that meant to be no man? Is he doing like the kind of Nick Fury thing where he's going around all these villains? And I was half expecting that we'd get that scene for each of them, like, you know, while the League was kind of unravelling this mystery, we'd have, like, these various characters being recruited. I don't, I don't know, I just, it's, it's not really a it's not really a comment, it's just more of, like, an observation that it's weird that, like, Onyx got that character development, and we have mention of Unity, who was, like, the kind of Superman analogue, and also mention of Vigil. Yeah, he's mentioned in issue one, and then he's there in issue two. Yeah, we. I really, I honestly thought well, we were going to get that moment where it was going to be like analog versus analog, where like it would be Batman versus the Vigil, and it was going to be some kind of comparison about their their powers in a weird way. But I don't know. It's odd because so many of that random team weren't even named. I think. Yeah. And as you say, like it's a great subversion to be setting up this team and then kind of. You pull the rug away, and they're they're just completely incapacitated in, in one shot. But I feel it would have worked better if we'd either spent a lot of time getting to know every individual. We had an introduction to every member of that evil team, and then ha, baiting switch. They were actually defeated really easily. Or if we'd not had any introduction, and they turned up, and then were instantly defeated. And I, I feel like it walked like a weird line between the two. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um... It's an odd one, issue three. Um, it's but as set up for the Morrison run, I think it works pretty well though. The whole, the whole series of Midsummer's Nightmare. Oh, definitely, yeah. And again, it's it it laid it laid the groundwork, and it, so it's interesting. I guess if if the entire purpose of the series was merely of this mini series was basically to set up Morrison's run on JLA, then it definitely succeeded. Yeah. But but at the same time, they probably could have got away with doing a less inventive story. So I think it's actually a credit to them that they did work in some clever ideas. Yeah, and the Wade got to refer back to Kingdom Come. Yeah, because in all fairness, like if y- you probably could have just had, oh, there's a big monster and the seven heroes just, you know, beat it, save a day and go, hey, this was nice, maybe we should team up again. You know, that <laughs> probably would have been good enough. So I think kind of like 
kudos to them for trying to tell something a little deeper, you know, to yeah. kind of like explore some questions about what it meant to be a superhero. Yeah, and it's um it's a fun little series and it's it's as you say it's got some lovely character moments in it and I think it is is a worthy addition to the whole storyline. Oh, 100%. 100%. And you know, I would say worth the price of admission alone for the fish tank. Yes. Completely agree. So PJ, um we have completed our first side quest in the, in the greater plotline of of this series um where are we going to go next well john we're not going back to the main jla series just yet we have a little more ground to cover our next episode will be another story set before the morrison issues we've already covered but we are going back to grant morrison and howard porter as we will be looking at the main front-loaded story from jla secret files and origins issue one now Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, no, I'm very much looking forward to this because unlike... This is like this little these little side stories we're doing here. They each, they're each bringing something different to the table because I had never read A Midsummer's Nightmare. Mm-hmm. We've both read Secret Files and Origins. Yeah. And then we're also going to do JLA Wildcats, which you've never read. I have never read, no. So we're going to get the full kind of... I don't know, we... we the next issue will be we're, we're meeting on common ground because yes. we both know where we're coming from. Uh, and then I will be at the advantage and uh, and, and you will be the, the stranger in a strange land. I am looking forward to that one, though. Yes, no, it's going to be good. It'll be, it's nice that this series can continue to surprise us. And it's nice that you and I have, I guess, both had something completely new to visit as through doing this podcast. But if you are, uh, I know some, some people have already got in touch to say they're doing it. If you are reading along with us, so uh, reading the issue, then listening to the episode, get yourself a copy of Secret Files and Origins next. Uh, issue one, JLA, Secret Files. I'm saying a lot of words now, I don't need to. JLA, Secret Files and Origins one. That's what we're looking at. That's it's, what you need to get. That's what you need to read. And I, I am, I'm very much looking forward to this one. This is going to be a, a fun little adventure, I feel. It is. It's one that... May feel disposable the first time you read it, but actually, in the grand scheme, it's quite important. And uh, yeah, well, uh, PJ, um, is there anything more to be said uh, for this particular issue? Um, no, I think we're done on Midsummer's Nightmare. Um, we'll give the usual shout-outs. Thanks to Gavin Mitchell for doing our uh, our logo and Elliot Red for doing our theme tune. And if you would like to follow PJ and myself on the Twitters and the social medias, you can find links in the description. And uh, yeah, I guess PJ, the king of the sign-off, where do we go from here? Oh, I've decided not to do one this week. Just cut to the theme tune. You're a monster.